and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about all of the political or COVID-19 stories we've been covering this week from Parliament. I'm coming to you from the uh, One News Press Gallery office here at Parliament, and I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins, coming from you from my uh, humble abode in Tawa. And I'm Jessica Mitchell-Mackay, also coming to you from home. So we're mixing it up a little bit here. Yes, we are. And uh, some things, though, will never change. And that is our pits and our peaks kicking us off. Jess, uh, would you start us off with your peak, please? Peaks? Yes. Um, I have a slightly shallow peak this week, but I think that everyone will understand um, the first sip of that sweet, sweet takeaway coffee in the crisp, cool Wellington air as a little bit of wind rushed up, so, up, up Molesworth Street and just sipping on that takeaway coffee dream scenario. For me, um, I thought one thing that was really interesting this week was the um, latest development with the Health Minister David Clark. We kind of had a, a late-breaking story the other day. Um, uh, he was confident that he hadn't broken the um, lockdown level four rules for a um, third time by shifting boxes between his old house and his new house um, during the lockdown. Um, the Prime Minister seems to be backing him on that one, um, saying he didn't breach the rules. But still, you'd have to question the judgment, um, don't you, around uh, continuing to shift boxes when um, moving houses was houses was banned. Obviously, has it taken place the day before um, the, the main move? But yeah, I don't, you've got to question why you'd be still doing that, don't you? And look, I think there would have been a lot of parents who were working from home with their children running around in the background saying, hey, mate, if we can do it, you can do it too. In terms of him going back to the old place um, to do a lot of his uh, Zoom calls and a lot of his uh, work there um, so that he wasn't distracted by his children. So I think a lot of the parents who are having to cope with that would have been like, mm, I'm not sure about that, buddy. Um, but hey, look, my peak uh, this week is international. Um, and that is that um, UK, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson um, and his fiance had a baby boy. Um, their baby boy was born. And so a bit of good news there, um, especially considering that, you know, it was only, what, a few weeks ago, was it, that he was um, in hospital, um, you know, down and out. So um, a bit of good news there. And also tagging on to that, um, the fact that we have had 12 days um, of single digit case mm. numbers here in New Zealand. So some good um, peaks uh, for us this week. Yeah, absolutely. Shall I do pits? Shall we move on to that? Um, I think my pitch this week, we're preparing for a budget that we're going to do in, in two weeks time, well less than two weeks time now, and it's going to be in lockdown. And that's a, quite a challenge to sort out um, how we're going to do that. So that's been a little bit of a Bit of a headache for us working out with the speaker and with treasury and with the finance minister's office just how it's going to be done because budget day is a pretty full-on stressful day uh, for us anyway let alone this um, added dimension and um, obviously treasury are very keen not to have a repeat of what happened last year with the with the google documents um, coming out and a bit of a leak happening early on so i think there's lots of tensions playing out and we're just trying to figure out how to do a budget under under level possibly level three or possibly level two so um yeah it's been a slight challenge this week yeah i was thinking about that the other day um I, I don't imagine it would be acceptable this year to be um chasing gabriel mcclough across parliament 
um, <laughs> over no, the lesson on budget day, given the social, given the social distancing rules. Hey, um, I guess uh, my um, pit for the week, the um, Ministry of Social Development just put out the latest figures. Another 6,271 Kiwis uh, went on the benefit last week. That's and um, and 63,000 food grants um, given out last week as well. So enormous numbers of Kiwis doing it tough. And you've got to remember, if your partner's still got a job, most people can't even access the benefit. So this is only going to be capturing, uh, who, who knows, but maybe, uh, you know, it's not really reflecting the full situation of um, job losses, I would imagine. Yeah, that's a really good point about, you know, um, some people being unable to access it when their partners still have a job. Eh? I think I think there needs to be sort of more work done um, by MSD in terms of looking into that. I know we've done a few stories already on it, but um, interesting stuff there. My pit for me, I guess, is the Prime Minister, um, she said just um, the other day in one of the press conferences, just talking about the long tail of COVID. Um, and, you know, we obviously saw another case linked to the Marist cluster, um, and that's a month after that cluster was first, um, you know, established. Um, the first case from that cluster was first confirmed. And so the Prime Minister and Ashley Bloomfield are talking about the long tail that we're seeing through this virus, um, and we saw it as well with the largest cluster in the country, the Bluff cluster. So, um, you know, one person infecting, in terms of Maris, 94 people now. Um, so just interesting to, to note that and also just to, um, a little bit scary as well, I guess, to know just how long the tail can be. Yeah, absolutely. I think a little reminder there, because that's effectively two cycles, isn't it? Two two-week cycles that we've gone through for that. Let's move on to um, our first uh, topic of conversation. Obviously, it's um, the transition down to level three. I mean, how do you guys think it all went? I think some aspects of it were done well and others people found perhaps a bit more challenging and, and the image of that that sticks in our mind is that huge big queue outside Burger Fuel. It's like people were given a, a little bit of freedom and just completely forgot all the messages that we were being told. So just things like that... Uh, are pretty frustrating for so many people who have made so many sacrifices to keep the to stop the spread from happening and then you have big groups like that and not queuing up at the supermarket or not queuing up um but queuing up for, for takeaways and it just is one of those things yeah it's i can see the there's a little bit of you know humor in it and people queuing up and, and really needing to get that but it's pretty frustrating when when so many people are working so hard and it's having such a massive effect on all of us. Yeah, yeah. I think also though you've got to remember, you know, this is a new situation for a lot of businesses. They haven't done it before. They probably didn't expect that that, that was going to happen. And from some of the reports I heard, you know, with with the, that photograph in particular outside, was it a burger fuel? I think, um, you know, people couldn't couldn't hear when they were calling their orders, so they kind of gathered round. I think you're going to expect um, those kinds of teething issues when we uh, go into level three. But it has been interesting too, eh, with um, uh, Parliament kind of coming back somewhat. Um, they've had, what, up to 30-something MPs um, in Parliament, at, sitting in Parliament at one time. So it's been interesting seeing that getting going. I've actually, even on my days off, I've been um, geeking out and tuning into Question Time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, nice to have a bit of normality there. 
Yeah, yeah, it has, hasn't it? It's, um, it's uh, like I mentioned in the podcast, uh, was it one or two weeks ago, um, it's been good to have uh, Winston Peters back on the bridge, actually. And boy, he's, he's delivered this week, hasn't he, guys? Because, you know, first off, we had um, his uh, uh, little bombshell in terms of um, the Ministry of Health's recommendation to block Kiwis at the border. And then yesterday, we had that stellar grab from him um, saying, um, look, we're beating the crap out of COVID-19 in Australia. <laughs> and the best thing I loved about that grab is that it forced both newsreaders on both channels, uh, Mike McRoberts and Wendy Petrie, to say crap, which is not a word we hear them saying very often. So well done, Mr. Peters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of level three and that physical distancing that you mentioned, Jess, um, it was really interesting to hear yesterday Ashley Bloomfield um, saying, look, we've got to get that right if we want to move to level two. Um, and I think you're right, Benedict, it is still early days. So we'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that and seeing how businesses um, plan and cope with that going forward. Because, you know, as you said, it is going to be crucial if we want to take that next step down. Yeah, yeah, I reckon it is early days, but I also think that businesses have had a month to plan for this and perhaps going into level two now, this will be a bit of a warning for them that you've actually got to make sure that you spend this time planning for, for scenarios where lots of people are wanting to come and things like that. I, I get what you mean, it was day one, um, but I think that perhaps for those businesses that can't operate properly under level three, Start getting yourselves organised for level two because it's, we're still going to be, most likely still going to be socially distancing, still going to have to be queuing a metre apart, things like that. So, so start working on it, start prepping. I thought another um, interesting th uh, issue that happened this week, we had um, uh, Ashley Bloomfield say at one of the press conferences, yeah, yeah, I think we um, have eliminated um, uh, the coronavirus at level four. Um, and, and it was sort of, widely reported in New Zealand and, and overseas. And the next day he came out at the press conference and said, oh, hey, I just want to clarify, we, we only eliminated it um, at, at level four. You know, there's still a lot of um, work to be done. And, you know, we haven't gotten rid of the thing completely. And it comes back to that different use of the word elimination, right? Because most people think if you eliminate something, it's gone for good, you've killed it. And yet epidemiologists, of course, that elimination doesn't quite work that way. It is interesting that they haven't been able to find another word just to make it a bit easier for the public to digest because it does seem to lead to confusion, you know, quite a few weeks into this um, pandemic and the lockdown. I, I just find it interesting that they haven't found a better word, perhaps, or a, a word more like, commonly understood word. Yeah, like pretty much crushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much like, crushed. Like beating oh, the crap out of it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Winston. Yeah. <laughs> Knocked the bastard off. Something like yeah. that, something well, catchy. Yeah. And hey, what did you guys think about, um, you know, uh, the fact that Winston Peters did drop um, that little bombshell and that recommendation, I guess, from the Ministry of Health that, you know, initially their, their recommendation was to block Kiwis returning at the border. Um, I mean, what was, what was the politics? Was there any politics did you see behind that, Jess? I think so, because I think what it then meant is Winston Peters saying, no, 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 of course I'm going to get our people home. And as the foreign minister came in as the, as the white knight in shining armour to save everyone who is overseas, um, I can kind of imagine a really great cartoon with him you know, carrying a carriage full of, or, or maybe a plane full of people behind with Winston Peters on a, on a stallion and riding with his, you know, this is, this is why I don't do cartoons, but... 
do you know what I mean? I think it ma- means that he can paint a picture that he said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to stick to it. I, I think in reality, could we have left them overseas? No. And I think it, when we've heard the discussions of it, it's not the Ministry of Health's job to think about the politics of it or the or the other ramifications of it. Their job is to say, hey, these are, from a health perspective, this is what would work best. But really interesting that he released that and, and no accident and we're obviously expecting um, a release of um, all of the other advice, a lots of the other advice that um, they've been getting in and around this COVID-19. So maybe they were just trying to sort of preempt a bit of that as well. Um, in terms of his um, suggestion, which he's been pushing for a little for a little while now, in terms of that trans-Tasman bubble, what I found really interesting about that was Rob Fife coming out yesterday saying that is going to be critical. Um, in the recovery for our economies. And he said that, um, and you know, I was only able to use one piece of his um, interview in my story yesterday, but he w- he went on further to say, look, everybody needs to be shifting their focus to that now, and the sooner we can get that done, the better. So I think having a, a heavyweight like him come in behind Winston Peters on that as well, um, I think, you know, we know the might of Winston Peters in and around that cabinet table when you've got someone like Rob Fife you know, backing that as well, and he's leading the, the sort of business um, response uh, on behalf of the government, I think we can um, expect a lot of work being put in to, to make that happen. I think the problem that you've, you've got, the situation where we've gone pretty hard, that's a phrase that we're using all the time, and we are um, working towards eradicating um, this, and then you've got a situation with, okay, now what? Because if the rest of the world is still grappling with it and dealing with it in different ways, if Australia is in the same boat, at least we can open up that bubble and and start to deal with it. So it's not just us sitting here as a little island having serious violence, having to operate together and and do that. So I think, I mean, even simple things like people could think about taking a trip to Australia for tourism. People could think about going and seeing the Sydney office if if their business is based over there family and friends, you know how many people um, are, are based back and forward. And I just think for things like that, to start thinking about that as a possibility makes makes so many things start, the cogs start moving on so many different aspects of our economy. So I think that that's a really positive thing for us to start aiming for. Yeah, I still think though that the, that the lockdown will have really rocked people's uh, confidence and, and willingness to travel. For uh, I think it'll rock it for for a long time as well. I, I'm not sure people will be wanting to jump on airplanes and travel, you know, a, across the Tasman and stuff if, if we're still getting, you know, cases and outbreaks and, and stuff like that. How would you guys feel about it though? I, I, to me, I think I would, I mean, we haven't had the opportunity yet. I think I would feel pretty comfortable with doing it. What about you guys? Yeah, and look, Winston Peters has said um, it would be premised on the fact that there isn't any community transmission either here or in Australia. So if you have that, then I guess that would give you a little bit more confidence. And I mean, you've already got National comparing us to Australia in terms of them doing so well and why aren't we moving as quickly as they are to sort of open up the economy. Um, So there is a bit of confidence in Australia and with how well we're doing maybe people will be a bit more relaxed to, to go and hit the sands over there, maybe. But maybe you're right. Maybe I am overestimating how how confident people will be even to get on a plane domestically. I don't know. Yeah, I think as well, if, if you keep seeing those case numbers, like we have for like um, 
over the last 12 days, single digits, or even if they just bottom out altogether, you know, you stop getting new cases. Hopefully, if the whole quarantine lockdown and everything has worked, and, and especially you stop getting new cases out in the, in the community, maybe things will return. Maybe people will be willing to travel um, overseas. I just wonder if it'll take a while for people to get the confidence back. So there'll still be quite a few restrictions around travel and stuff at level two, right? You're only supposed oh, to... Right. yeah. Yeah, like you're only sort of supposed to... My understanding is, you know, sort of travel, if, it, if it's essential, you're still supposed to try and stick close to home. Yeah, one thing people might not have realised is that the normal is actually level zero, so not level one. And I'm not sure if that's mm. something that other people, that people haven't really thought about. So we've got four, three, two, one, nothing. And nothing is where things go back normal so even at level two and level one there are still restrictions yes there's a big jump i think between three and two and a, and a significant jump between two and one as well but i am um, i think don't forget there's there's we've still got to get for a, a few more hurdles before we're totally free and back to normal so peter gluckman actually was um, before the epidemic response committee yesterday and he made some um good observations um, one is, um, you know, not to provide false hope. He was worried about that um, and not wanting to overpromise because people and businesses in particular are planning on the, the messaging that's coming out. Um, and so a lot of people are going to get angry if, if, you know, we think that we are um, heading towards a level two with all of the low case numbers um, that we're seeing. And then if it doesn't happen, there'll be some frustration. So he's sort of wanting to push the message of managing expectations. And I think the Prime Minister has been doing that in terms of, you know, her messaging at, at press conferences. The other thing that he, he, he mentioned also, which I thought was interesting, is that, you know, um, when winter comes around, it'll be interesting to see what that has, what impact that has in terms of infectivity um, with this virus. So lots of, yeah, still finding lots of interesting things coming out of that Epidemic Response Committee, Benedict. Yes, it was fascinating, eh? <laughs> Um, I, I did notice, though, I, I thought, like, socially, even um, things have, things are quite different, not only being able to grab a coffee and stuff like that uh, at, at level three, but just, like, the increased traffic and, um, you know, you've got so many more cars back on the streets again and stuff like that. I, I did notice quite a big sort of society um, or, or social change, obviously not back to normal levels quite yet, but, yeah, a bit of a, bit of a shock to the system after, you know, four and a half, five weeks at, um, in lockdown. Yeah, for those of us working... I think. Should we have a chat about um, some of the non, non-COVID-19 stories? Um, what's been going on for you guys? Obviously, we've had the MPs back, well, a small, small group of them. We've had question time for the first time in five weeks. We've had um, the select committees have been going through, but those select committees continuing. So there's been all of that. But in terms of some of the non-COVID-19 stories, I, I know um, last year I was working quite a lot on a story about the Red Cross nurse, um, Louisa Ackervey, who was, has been missing now for, for six years. So she finally, it went public after five years um, that she'd been kidnapped. And, and when there was the fall of the goose, they thought that she would, it would emerge more details about where she was, but, but they went public um, asking for information on that, and it was a year since we did that story of of um, her her kidnap being made public. So um, we did a we just did a small little story on it to market, um, but it was really interesting because in a in another time that would have been a big lead story. A year on, where are we at with it? And 
we did an interview with the um, International Red Cross talking about um, where they were at, and they were still very adamant that it's still a very active investigation. But one of the challenges that they talked about that I thought was really interesting is, um, you know, given the situation there, a lot of information that's coming to them, information is obviously a commodity um, in, in these situations, and it's coming into them, but they're not sure what's right and what's not, because um, people are wanting rewards, wanting payment for this information. So they are chasing quite a few false leads. So I just thought that was really interesting. Um, I was really pleased to climb back into, into that story again, even if we just touched on it a little bit. Um, but just, a, I guess, another reminder of just how much things have changed over the last few months. What about you guys? What other stories? I guess there's, there's still the um, uh, rumblings going on about Simon Bridges' leadership um, at National as well. Now, my understanding is that that basically a lot of the MPs don't really know what's going on um, because um, uh, Simon's not sharing National's internal polling um, with other with other MPs, so they're not not really sure where they stand. Apparently, they haven't seen them in in quite a while. Uh, so that's I guess that's going to um, you know keep bubbling away. But it's such an incredibly tough time, I think, to to be the opposition. Um, when it's, you know, you've had the um, Jacinda Ardern and Ashley Bloomfield show every day being the only show in, uh, the only show in town, um, you know, just incredible focus on the government and, and what they can do to try and, you know, help Kiwis get through it. And, you know, they're just pumping billions and billions and billions of dollars into the economy to try and keep things afloat um, as best as they can. So, yeah, incredibly tough time to be in the opposition where you can't really do anything except complain. Um, and as we've seen with you know the Facebook posts and stuff, people you know, aren't really aren't really in a mood um, for the complaining. And I spoke to quite a few MPs last week, um, you know, on background and seeing where they were at. And I think they don't have a lot to measure on yet. I think we need to wait for the dust to to settle a bit. Um, but I think that that perhaps polls, whether that's their internal ones or external polls, will be really interesting. Um, and will be quite a definitive marker um, for the National Party over the next little while. So we shall see. And just um, to finish off, we've today, um, Andrew Little uh, has released a little bit more detail around the um, cannabis um, legislation, um, you know, obviously as we, as we look to, to vote on that at um, the election with the referendum alongside euthanasia. Um, so just a little bit more detail out today um, to fill in some of the gaps around, um, you know, fines and, and, and breaches and lots of big picture framework um, stuff around the regulations. So just more information for people to um, to get their heads around um, as we go into that big vote um, at the election in September. So um, it would be good to sort of climb into a few of those other issues, um, maybe once, um, you know, things with COVID-19 continue to, to simmer down a little bit, um, get back into some of those other big issues that we've just talked about as well. But look, why don't we leave it there? Um, this was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about um, the political stories we've been covering um, this week. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's available around this time each week um, on One News Online and check us out on your favourite podcasting app. Bye.